Welcome to Night of the Living Geeks. If you geek out over it, we've got a podcast for you. Dearest Millicent, I pray this episode of If Memory Serves finds you well. We are upon the Night of the Living Geeks Network and have thus marched through the forsaken fields of memory and from present appearances it appears as though this podcast will continue for some time unless the power of history prevent our hosts from recalling their adventures in seeing the elephant. My brothers in arms, Sebastian and Taylor, send their fondest welcomes to you, dear Millicent. Well, hey there, Seb. How's it going? Well, I'm I'm doing pretty good. I'm I'm now I'm curious how Millicent is doing. Uh, uh, she she died of consumption. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, geez. Well, it happens to the best of us, I guess. Doesn't oh it? my gosh, doesn't it? She was happy holidays. Happy holidays, indeed. Uh, Merry Christmas to you. Happy New Year. We're recording right in between the two. Although, I know you at home are listening. It's 2019. Hi there. Hello. How did that? How did how did hearing a bit of the uh, Ash Cone farewell uh, grip you there, bud? Uh, well, it, it, just as well as as hearing a show farewell, but um, oh, is that how it's pronounced? Uh, you know, oh, I think so. But okay. um, hey, you know what? Uh, what's the difference? But oh, you know what? I, I just it's, know it is that that Civil War letter song. Yeah, it's all you need to know. It's like the th- the, the the theme from the Ken Burns Civil War documentary, which is appropriate because, of course, tonight's episode is about uh, the uh, the war the the war of. Uh, War Between the States, the American Civil War, the Battle of Brother Against Brother, featuring two brothers, Taylor and Sebastian, who actually battled each other during Civil War reenactments in the early to mid-1990s. Yeah. So this is exciting. And uh, I got to just give props to uh, uh, Jay Unger and the Molly Mason Family Band for providing the music there. Um, they don't know it. I just happened to record <laughs> it off of YouTube. <laughs> but well, it was beautiful. Exactly, and giving credit where credit's due. Exactly, as well we should. So um, I, I will even include a link to that performance in the uh, show notes. I feel it's only fair. Oh, man, Seb, Christmas, thank you so much. Well, thank you. Uh, what were some of the highlights of Christmas 2018 for you? Um, well, I mean, really, as a parent, it's more about watching the kids uh, delight at things, and, and there are lots and lots and lots and lots of Legos in this house now, whether they be Harry Potter ones or Minecraft ones, we have a lot mm. of Legos. Um, for me personally, um, oh boy, um, got some got some cool shirts from the family. Um, got a really uh, neat, um, I don't know what you want to call it, satchel uh, bag of holding, uh, that, uh, think geek makes it's specifically designed for going to conventions. So you can get to all your stuff really easily. And that was like my top thing. Yeah. Um, and that's great. Yeah. And then you completely blow me out of the water and, um, uh, not only, I mean, it's all retro stuff that you got me. Uh, mm-hmm. 1987 era Doctor Who disappearing TARDIS mug, which is like a PBS pledge gift. Um, a little, uh, what, like a one foot by four inch uh, 
art panel from the mm-hmm. Doctor Who pinball game, which I'm going to make a light box for because the, the colors on it and everything is gorgeous. It's um, beautiful. Yeah. And then, <laughs> which I didn't really expect you to get, but you got it for me anyway. And I'm not going to complain. A Literally an NOS, a never-before-used um, Billabong backpack uh, from the era from which we actually had that backpack, just not in pink. Um, yeah, the the fluorescent hot pink is just so vibrant. It on is, that it is, yeah. and it's it's fantastic. And and I am going to use it now and then. You know, I I'm not, I don't believe in something being so rare as hen's teeth that you shouldn't ever enjoy it. Um, so thank you. That's awesome. Yeah, Merry Christmas, and thank you for the great gifts that you gave me. Of course, um, got a great book from the late '80s on. Uh, full of wonderful color photography of vintage um, shopping malls. Mm -hmm. And, of course, the big surprise, the wonderful um, movie poster, original movie poster for uh, Back to the Beach from 1987. Yeah. um, Which is just, I mean, it's got Bob Denver on the front. It's got P.B. Herman. It's got Annette Funicello. It's got, you know, everybody. It's just, and the colors on it are just an explosion um, yeah and that was really it's in a private place in my apartment right now so oh, thank you so much oh, it was awesome, awesome. I, like i said i i saw that come up and i know how like you're like oh my god i totally rewatched it and oh my gosh it was so great and and, it and was. I, I also recently rewatched it and i'm like okay this is just fun and this is just a fun movie we'll have to review it at some time maybe maybe we'll do a commentary on this one totally um, but yeah, I saw it. I'm like, look, I'm just, I got to surprise him with something this year. Oh, thank you, man. I got to just surprise him with something. It was a big year. surprise too. Yeah. yeah. Good. Good, good, good. Awesome. That's exactly what I wanted for you. Oh, well, this month we don't really have any uh, previously on to talk yeah. about, but we do want to take a look at what's going on in the news. An ABC News Brief brought to you by Budweiser Beer. Stay with us. The late edition is next. And first off, we uh, we have a release date for the scary stories to tell in the dark movie. Ooh. Yeah, pencil it into those calendars because, well, Hollywood may move it around. But August 9th, 2019... Very interesting. So this is the Guillermo del Toro movie that we had previously discussed, I think, in some previous episodes, um, based on the famous 1980s series of children's books featuring ghost stories, spooky stories, urban legends, things like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I'm really excited because I still don't understand what the final product is going to look like. Will it be live action? Will it be CG? Will it be an anthology? Will it be one continuous story woven together from the desperate parts um i couldn't possibly tell you but i also wondered uh, how they were going to turn the game battleship into a movie so (laughs) hopefully this will be better hopefully oh geez well uh stay tuned i guess for further details right yeah yeah i'm sure as i see more stuff pop up or if they release a trailer uh we'll, we'll take a look at it and see what they're trying to do with this um, speaking of other things that are 30 years old, um, uh, some footage of Weird Al getting into his fat suit for the fat video has surfaced. Oh my goodness gracious. Yeah. And, and like I said, we'll have, we'll, we'll have links for all this stuff in the show notes. Um, I mean, this is, 
you know that that's some peak weird owl period i mean that that's it's i hope it's not indecent footage no um, it's not it's not oh, okay. this is like sitting in a makeup chair kind of stuff oh okay okay um, it's just it, it's weird you know uh well, it's well, it's weird owl yeah i know it's weird owl i yeah. know <laughs> uh oh boy we're getting well, punchy tonight already well, I'm glad to think that somebody had the the forethought to film such a historic uh, incident, though. That's uh, my hats off to uh, whatever Zapruder out there thought that this was going to be a really moment in American history. Yeah. Know? Well, and and that's the thing. I mean, filming stuff is almost so ubiquitous now with smartphones and everything. It's just mm. it's like, well, yeah, record everything, right? You know, and and it it wasn't necessarily the same thing back in the day. I mean, to, to, to film something, even just on VHS was an endeavor. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> As we know for sure, having to haul half the VCR with you. I wonder if it was like some insurance adjuster or somebody like, do you know what I mean? Like it was just some sort of like business purpose for such footage, you know, it's like, mm. you know, just in case he got injured by the fat suit or something. It, no, it doesn't strike. Maybe me his mustache that. was insured. You yeah. don't think so? <laughs> the hair, maybe. The uh, shirts for sure. Uh, no, I mean, if anything, it's it strikes me just as a you know, hey, we're doing this thing, and you know, we're taking this skinny, lanky uh, accordionist, and we're making him look fat. You know, let's mm-hmm. let's let's just record what this looks like. Right. I think that's all it is. Hmm. Um, and lastly, the folks over at Kotaku say that the the Atari ET game that that we all know and hate um is actually slightly better if you read the manual first what uh, read the manual um, who does that uh i just want to hear you say that name again what kotaku yes if i had a little button that like i could press periodically that would just make you say that i, I probably <laughs> would push it at least once a day maybe more okay uh i'll see what i can do maybe it gives I me can... pleasure okay kotaku <laughs> um is is that a person or a, or a, a, a web? It's a company or it is. Um, there's the same company that puts out the io9 website and Gizmodo and Lifehacker and and all of those other ones. Um, they have one that that specifically looks at um, like video game culture, uh, anime, all that kind of stuff, and that's Kotaku. So it's like um, an online magazine or uh, online news site. New site? Okay. Yeah, I wouldn't so All much right. call it a magazine. Um, right. But um, that, I don't know, I just, I look at it, I'm like, well, I, I should pronounce it the way that it should be pronounced instead of being like Kotaku. <laughs> um, or something Thank like you, that. Millicent. Yeah, I know. <laughs> My dear <laughs> Millicent, I was reading Kotaku today. And, um, <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Here's our Sorry. last episode. Yeah. The hey. Kill Seb. Yeah, I know. As I um, yeah, right. Um, but I'm trying to remember where I was going with this. Um, well, E.T., you know, a classic video game. We, Of course, we talked about in our previous episode on video games. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, notoriously, you know, legendarily uh, buried in a landfill. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know. I mean, I know we've talked about this briefly on the episode. I didn't, I didn't dislike that game as much, I think, as most Americans did. We, of course, were original owners. Yeah. Um, Still have it. Still have it exactly have it in my closet, unburied condition. Unburied uh, condition. That's that's right. It has it right. has not seen the uh, backside of a kid's diaper. 
No, no, not at all. Um, and yeah, you know, I mean, what can I say? You know, I mean, it's no Indiana Jones, I guess. No, it's, it's not. It's, that's it. for sure. I think we definitely liked Indiana Jones a little bit better. All I remember is just trying to levitate out of the out of the the, the little pit, getting to the top, and going back to the bottom again, and just over and over and over for like days on end. Who knew it was so difficult to pilot an extraterrestrial um, entity? You know, right. Uh, Right, you know that is that is admittedly still a movie I have not seen to this day. Wait, wait, you've never seen ET? I have still never seen ET. Like even like when you were a kid? No, I didn't. You and mom went to go see it. Yeah, we went to see it at the. I didn't see it because I was scared. You were scared of the movie? It looked too scary for me. Well, wait. Do you still? I don't want to see it. Is there is there still like residual feelings like that for the free? No, no. Just you have okay. Not at all. It just. I I haven't found myself in a position to see it. I haven't felt myself with a desire to see it. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I know. Weird, right? It is very sad, though. That's what I hear. Yeah, heart, 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 heartbreaking kind of film. Yeah. Ah, <sighs> yes. Oh, well, anyway, now that we are through the news, let's find out what is going on this time. This time on, if memory serves. Yeah, we are talking Civil War reenacting memories. Oh my goodness. Yeah, kind of a weird way to start the year, I suppose. Maybe a weird thing to have been into, but we were into it. Yeah, and you know, I know that probably not all of our listeners will be able to relate directly to the topic of a Civil War reenacting. Um, I would expect that most of our listeners are people who are interested in nostalgia-related things from pop culture from the 1980s and the 1990s. But, um, I mean, this was a a fairly big part of our childhood, adolescence, what have you, Mm -hmm. from the the first half of the 1990s. Um, And I've actually, I've actually, I actually have some friends who listen to the episode who have specifically requested that we do this topic. Oh, Um, nice. Yeah, so this is kind of fun, I think. Um, well, this request so hopefully is folks, going out to your friends. This, yes, exactly so. Um, uh, so I guess um, most people listening to our episode tonight probably will be familiar with the concept of Civil War reenacting, or if not Civil War reenacting, at least uh, living history in general. Yeah. Um, it's sort of like cosplay before cosplay a little bit yeah i was thinking about that because this is what this is historical cosplay with like a bent toward like high accuracy yeah i'm like yeah you can you can cosplay something and be like well it's kind of this it's you know kind of right. that or here's a mashup of two different things or you know but this is like wool uniforms and you know let's look up a, a recipe on how to make hardtack and let's eat what they ate and you know exactly so yeah not necessarily everybody's going to be an expert on what kind of socks boba fett wore um but <laughs> hello know, kitty I mean, ones duh yeah exactly but i mean civil reenacting it kind of takes it to that extra level um so um, I think it's only fair to say that I think for us kind of the the big bang moment of interest in the Civil War or interest in Civil War reenacting, at least for me personally, I don't know about for you, has to be kind of tied back to the 1990 PBS Ken Burns documentary on the Civil War. Um, yeah, definitely was for me. I mean, I, I, I think 
just intrinsically, I think you and I have both been interested in history in general. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think what really kicked this off, and of course we were watching lots of PBS at this point in time, um, mm-hmm. was their their big advertisement, their big push for, hey, this here's this massive um, documentary that Ken Burns is doing about the Civil War. And mm-hmm. we not only watched the whole thing, I mean, we probably taped it too, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I must have been about 11, I guess, at the time, 11 or 12. Yeah, about um, that. I, I think I had just turned 14. Yeah. And like millions of other Americans, it really kind of fanned the flames of interest in history mm-hmm. uh, and interest in Civil War. And I think there, it's fair to say across the entire country, there's an uptick in things like Civil War reenacting, which I think if you look, um, the actual hobby of Civil War reenacting, I think you, you can go back to the 1970s or even 1960s maybe in certain parts of the country. Mm-hmm. But it seems that the Ken Burns documentary kind of... Uh, gave it a, a shot in the arm, so to speak, in terms of new people getting into the hobby, that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think for us, it, it really became, you know, we saw it, we got interested in it, and then um, probably the, what, Memorial Day weekend of uh, 91, mm-hmm. we were probably checking out the the, <clears throat> the local groups. um, mm-hmm. uh, event over at roaring camp in felton that's right yeah um of course most people probably are you know familiar with civil war reenactments uh back on the east coast um of course we're out here in northern california um uh, you know you don't have to be a history major to know that there really weren't any major civil war land battles in california um, but nonetheless, we, we hooked up with an organization called the National Civil War Association, mm-hmm. um, which actually still exists today, um, that reenacts uh, at different parks and venues around Northern California, kind of trying to represent a typical miscellaneous Eastern theater, Eastern campaign, something in Virginia or Maryland type situation, maybe circa 1863. Yeah. Um, oh, can you hear me? I can. Okay. Yeah, and I think it was probably, I mean, on an average uh, event during that time period, there's probably 1,500 reenactors, I would think. Um, it was a pretty, uh, it was pretty substantial, yeah. Yeah, it was a pretty, it was a pretty big group. I, I seem to remember when we first joined up, um, our, our, like, our membership number, because it is a club. I mean, it's a group. You, you pay dues. There's all of mm-hmm. that. Um, we were somewhere in the nine hundreds, um, in terms of like a membership number. Wow. Um, you I remember presume, that? I, yeah. Random stuff, but, wow. um, and, and I feel like we were, we caught the early part of like the, uh, the Ken Burns wave, let's call it, you know, okay. so we kind of got into it pretty quickly after that. Um, but as it rolled through like the next four or five years, um, as we were, you know, still in the group and everything, I, I think the highest number I remember hearing was that is probably close to 16 or 1700 okay. members, um, by the time that we lost interest in it. Right. And it's, it, it's interesting because even, even though we got interested around the time of the Ken Burns documentary, 
I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, as far as I can remember, even back in the 1980s, um, in our living room on Hester Avenue in San Jose, our parents had, amongst all the other bric-a-brac framed on the wall of the living room, um, the framed Civil War discharge papers of our great-grandfather from 1865. Yeah. I don't know if you you can remember that, can you? Oh, I do. And, Very well. Yeah, Thaddeus Bradley's. And, yeah, and it was yeah. just kind of like framed and hanging on the wall like it was a family photo or you know a piece of artwork basically and Mm -hmm. i you know even as a little kid you know in the 1980s i remember just taking it off the wall every once in a while and looking at it and reading it you know that kind of thing so yeah um so you mentioned a roaring camp so that was one of the the locations that we reenacted right yeah roaring roaring camp was um you know probably like the the biggest and most well-known location that they did at that time. And, and it was on Memorial day weekend. So that was obviously, that was like, that's the big one, you know? Um, well, but, what is roaring camp for uh, our listeners? Maybe that aren't oh, familiar. Oh, well, yeah, of course. Um, roaring camp for those of you not familiar with, um, this part of Northern California and the Santa Cruz mountains and stuff. It, it basically is a, um, uh, a big park where they've got, um, uh, live steam trains and stuff mm-hmm. and you can uh either ride a steam train kind of uh round that part uh you can actually take a train actually all the way down to the santa cruz beach boardwalk mm-hmm. uh, which i've always wanted to do never I, i've never done it um and they um frequently throughout the year not just for like civil war reenactments they will have um other types of living history days uh they'll have mm-hmm. other train events and stuff there it's it's a neat place i really want to take the kids there sometime yeah um can you remember some of the other places that uh we went every year when every year was 1863 yes yes exactly <laughs> um because because basically each I mean, we reenacted for three, four, five years, something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's the, to the best of my memory, um, the, each reenacting season la- lasted from maybe late spring to early fall. And there might mm-hmm. be a half a dozen um, cities or towns that the events would take place in over the course of a, a weekend, maybe once a month or something like that. Um, of course, there was Pioneer Park in Nevada City, which, which is I think was a, one of my favorites. I love Nevada it, City. The Nevada City was a great reenacting event, um, if for no other reason than the whole town kind of embraced us. And the town itself is—it's a very old, historic uh, gold mining town mm-hmm. in the in the in the gold country in Northern California. So, um, it it not—I mean, Pioneer Park—it's basically like a baseball field. But um, the town itself—it's very. Uh, the architecture is that kind of time period, you know, mid 19th century. You know what I mean? Yeah, especially um, especially downtown mm-hmm. Nevada. Downtown, I put in air quotes. <laughs> yes, um, and of course, reenactments they draw in lots of tourists, lots of school groups. So, of course, in many instances, the local communities are seeing this as kind of a win win. You know, they're going to get you know more business for their businesses and restaurants and things like that. You know, yep. so Nevada City always felt kind of really rolled out the red carpet for everybody, all the reenactors and stuff. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, because this, this memory just popped into my head because you were talking about different school groups and stuff. And I'm like, Oh yeah. Cause that's right. We did. We, you know, we'd sometimes get scout groups out and stuff. If, if I remember correctly in pioneer park in, in, in Nevada city, um, I want to say probably on the Sunday morning, I think the local scout troop put on like a pancake breakfast mm-hmm. 
Yep. That's yes. Yeah, I, okay. I remember that too. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, um, and I know that there'd yeah. be a parade later in the day on Sunday down the main drag. Right. Uh, in Nevada. So it's one of those things I loved. What, what, one of the reasons why I loved this town so much. I mean, it's a really, really neat town. Um, and this is jumping way ahead in our show notes, but I just had to throw it out right here. Um, do you know our family connection with Nevada City by any chance? I, I don't, actually. I saw that in the notes, and I was like, wait, what? Yeah, so um, our our maternal grandmother, Jerry, okay. uh, had she's always had in her possession, from as far as I can back, remember back in the 1980s, an old Civil War photograph of five brothers, all oh, of whom served okay. in the Civil War. Yes. Um, and the, the, the photograph was known amongst the family as the five uncles yes because we actually descend directly from one of their sisters okay and so one of the uncles was a guy named henry green and in eight in in like 1852 or three he was from rhode island and he came out to california to make his fortune right um he never struck it rich but in 1861 he was living in of all places nevada city california and he raised an infantry company amongst the citizens there and was made the captain of the infantry company. And they marched all the way from Nevada City to West Texas That's a during the Civil walk. War. Yeah. Um, and they were in all sorts of battles and weird situations. Um, and that's something that I never knew until maybe 10 years ago wow. or so. Yeah. So, and it's really crazy that we had this distant, weird family connection to Nevada City and the Civil War um, well, that we I'm, never knew about. But we, um, if I'm yeah, not so. mistaken, if I'm not mistaken, those Rhode Island Greens—they were also in the Revolutionary War, weren't they? The, yeah, there was some. Con- yeah, there's. Um, there was a, of course, the famous um, Patriot General Nathaniel Green, and yes. I think there might be some. There definitely was always the family rumor that there was some family connection there. Um, I think it might have been a collateral branch. I don't think we were directly descended from them. Okay. But yeah, um, yeah, it's a kind of all tied up in that kind of thing. Okay, so. okay, cool. Yeah, very yeah, cool. Totally. But yeah, Nevada City, um, that was a great place to reenact. It was really fun. Totally. Uh, uh, you want to know a fun little fact about um, Nevada City in terms of, um, I don't know, just random fun fact. Yeah, what do you got? So... I don't remember if you were there or this was like a later trip that I made up there, but I remember going into like an, I can't remember if it was an antique store or a used bookstore. Um, okay. But I, I found a copy of a book done by a gentleman named Criswell. <laughs> yeah, I know Cris- where okay, Right. And Criswell, most people would be like, who, what? So this was a quote unquote famous psychic. Um, who is notoriously seen at the beginning of Ed Wood's movie Plan 9 from Outer Space. <laughs> right? Yeah, here we go. Civil War, Ed Wood, Plan 9. You know you're listening to If Memory Serves when uh, this is going on. <laughs> um, and he apparently in, I want to say 1968, I don't have the book at hand to check this. This is, this is just coming off the top of my head. Um, put out a book called Criswell Predicts, and he is predicting mm-hmm. predicting the future. Here's what will come to pass, and it is yeah. some of the most out there, bonkers, <laughs> malarkey stuff you could possibly imagine. It is it, it, an absolute yeah. hoot. Yeah, they had like a green cover. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, that's exactly correct. 
Yeah, you know, he um he was portrayed by the actor Jeffrey Jones in the Tim Burton Ed Wood mm-hmm. film in the early nineties. Great movie. Great movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh wow, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> um Oh, do we still have that book? Do you have yeah, it? I have it somewhere. I oh, think okay. I've got it in okay. a box. Oh good, good. I'm glad to hear it. Yes, it is safe okay. and it lives on. So what are some of the other battles that we took part in? Oh, let's see. Um, well, oh wait, I'm, wait. Oh, what? sorry. One, one last Nevada City memory. Okay, okay. I had one memory that the, that at one point there was a cannon blast. And folks, we should probably back up a little bit. Um, the reenactments that we participated in. I mean, there were people that owned horses that would come out and portray cavalry folk. There were people that owned and operated. Um, replica cannons, life-size yep. replica cannons, yep. um, you know, black powder firing, um, muzzle-loading muskets. muskets. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, these are, it's not only just the living history aspect of, you know, doing the camp stuff and everything, but there's actual battles and stuff going on. But yeah. anyway. And, um, and, 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 you know, being in the midst of a battle, and we'll talk about it more, and, and being around, you know, the black powder and, and everything going off like that it, it it's very it is very intense mm-hmm. um and and it is very real uh in that sense except you know there's no lead slugs in anything thankfully right. um but yes but, so a cannon blast yeah the, uh, i want to say that there was a story that went around the camp that a cannon a cannon was set off during a battle or something like that and the noise like frightened or killed the pet bird of a local resident or something and i don't know if this is yeah i don't know if this is true in the sense that it was just a rumor going around i don't even know if it was true in the sense that it's just a memory that i have that really isn't true that i'm just imagining but supposedly there was this big incident where somebody's bird died because a cannon went off and it wasn't like the cannon killed the bird it was like the shockwave scared the bird i have no idea that was just something but scared it to death Yes, yeah, scared her yes. to death. Which I mean, I guess, I guess, I don't know if you could do a bird autopsy to find that out. But anyway, um, you know, hats off to the bird. I feel bad a little bit. Um, Press have to pay respects. Y- you don't remember said rumor? There's a vague recollection. A okay. vague recollection. Right. Um, unfortunately, I mean, as big a part of this as this was in our lives, um, there would be so much that would happen in a weekend. Uh, doing oh, sure. this that that I I today you know some of the stuff it's like yeah I think that might have happened or well you know. well I mean that's that's really one of the it's interesting you mentioned that that's one of the one of the most important reasons I I enjoy doing this podcast because I mean there's memories that I have now that are starting to fade yeah no I, I dude I get it. And to have this down in, on record, in a sense, I mean, I really, I really am thankful that we can do this. You know, no, I, I, I agree. And by the way, happy fortieth birthday! <laughs> uh, thank you. Hopefully, forty of your so forty of your so called Earth years. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Meanwhile, your ten zeta reticulin years. Um, yes. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Hopefully, you've been on to Twitter to uh, to see the many responses. Oh yes, I need to get up on there because yes. I, I, I made sure to. I made sure to tweet something out from our account. Oh, okay. For your birthday. Oh. Um, so uh, were we moving on to other places we remember? Yeah, let's let's go to Fresno. Yeah, yeah, Kearney Park down in Fresno. This is this is actually this is a really pretty park. I mean, just oh, by it's itself. Oh. Um, 
and um there's i remember there, there's the there's the kearney house mm-hmm. right there's a kind of a, like a mansion correct, very yeah big mansion yeah. um a very large property so there's a lot of room to kind of spread everybody out mm-hmm. um and uh uh you know have both the battles and the camps and and all of that kind of stuff um it was always nice. I think we did it. I think it was a either a September or an October event, so it wasn't like middle of the summer, you know, mm. heat in Fresno, which can get pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I just remember this park having the most luscious, well manicured grass, and it was so green and so rich and so soft. And when you were in a battle and you felt like you were going to get shot and you fell down to play dead, basically. Yeah. Uh, it was just the softest grass to die on and lie on. It was just lovely. Um, that's that's good. I mean, man, you know, I, I, any time that I, I took a hit and went down, I, I, I should have been paying more attention mm-hmm. to the quality of the grass. Oh, I, and I wasn't, oh. and I should have. Well, so, some of these sites, it was just, you know, almost like rock-hard compacted Ugh. dirt. And it was just, you're just, oh, it's like hitting concrete, you know? Yeah. So, so, some of it was really bad. In fact, I, I, I think the the next place we talk about had this kind of ground. But but what else do you remember from Kearney Park? Well, I remember one event, and I'm almost certain it was Kearney Park. Um, I personally, uh, and probably something we, we should have mentioned, um, at least with our experience, with our organization, um, when you joined up, you had the option to join or enlist or enroll in uh, whatever historical regiment or unit was being portrayed. So, for instance, in the National Civil War Association, there was a, a Union battalion, there was a Confederate battalion. Yep. Um, I I was on the Union side, and I, I was with a unit. It was portraying Company A of the 71st Pennsylvania Volunteer Infantry. Um, and of course, being so young, even though of course there were many young soldiers during the Civil War, I, I chose not to portray a combatant, but um, a field musician. And I played a rope tension snare drum that I still have. Oh, do um, you still have it? Good. Oh, go oh, gosh, yes. Um, I remember how much you had to save up to get this. Drum. I did, this was not I, a cheap drum. No, it was several hundred dollars. I did so many chores around the house to pay for this. Yeah. Because this was a drum. Actually, I'm the first owner of it. It was manufactured by a company back east called Cousin Sally Ann. Um, it's made of cherry wood, and it's made um, in the with the same type of materials and construction techniques as 19th century drums are made or were made. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, it's it, at that time in my life, it was the prized possession. It, it was oh, like the yeah. thing that I loved, you know? For sure. Um, but for, for, for Kearney Park, I do have a memory of there being an incident where basically you'd have – during an event, during a weekend, you'd usually have two battles on Saturday and two battles on Sunday, one yes. in the morning, one in the afternoon. Yep. And I seem to remember that the morning battle had come and gone, and now it was the middle of the day and people were eating, and it's going to be several hours before there's going to be another battle. And I remember that there was a thing where all of the Confederate reenactors lined up um, and got assembled, and they had all their weapons. So there's probably five or six hundred men armed on their side of the battlefield, or whatever. And they start, you know, flags flying, and they start marching and yelling and marching towards the the Union camp. Mm-hmm. And everybody's sitting around, you know, eating or doing whatever they do, darning socks. 
and 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 this is like an unscheduled battle and everybody's running around and getting getting their guns or whatever and running around like their chickens with their heads cut off and the confederates march halfway up the field and then they like they halt and then they like um stack arms and they had all cooked baked cookies and they came forward to give cookies as gifts to everybody in the union side <laughs> wow and, and i'm almost certain that was kearney park and i don't know um Hopefully, we'll be able to post a link to this episode on some of the Civil War Facebook groups uh, for reenactors from California. Maybe somebody can chime in if they remember that incident or something like that. Maybe. But that was I'm a, not even sure I remember this incident, and I was on that side. It was it was a really it was a really fun, touching little thing. So that was pretty cool. That was, I think that was a Kearney Park memory. That but, is uh, cool. I, and since since you shared, um, you know, I when I was kind of checking out the different companies, the different groups. And, um, cause there was, there was other stuff. I mean, there's the medical corps, there's the signal corps. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I know I couldn't ride a horse to save my life. Um, I still can't find where the clutch is on one just to figure out how to stop them. I always, <laughs> that's my thing. I'm on a horse. I'm like, where's the clutch? I don't get this. Um, you know, they're bigger than me. I'm scared of them. Let's be honest. Um, I decided to join up with the ninth Virginia, uh, dismounted cavalry. So they were the cavalry, but we just pretend that they've already stopped their horses back there and they're on foot now. Um, it's, it's right. much more affordable than buying a horse. Um, and it's funny cause looking back at it from the world we live in today, it's like, Oh my God, I was on the South. I'm like, what was I thinking? Okay. Here's what I was thinking. I wasn't thinking that I aligned myself with anything that the South really believed in, in terms of like uh, the racism, the slavery, anything like that in the 1860s, it was, um, I don't have to buy, you know, this, this picture perfect uniform. Um, I I can have kind of a, a, a scrubby pair of pants and I can have a mismatched colored jacket and I could spend half the day barefoot Mm -hmm. if I wanted to. Um, So, Mm I, I kind of had a freer, looser, um, mm-hmm. dress code. And I was like, I like that. I can get behind that. And you know, the, obviously the, the folks in the company were, were nice people. So I was kind of like, well, you guys are cool. Yeah. I um, with you. I'm I mean, sure it was much the same way for you in terms of people with the 71st. You know? Yeah. And, and I'll, I'll I really want to echo that. I mean, I think, I think, um, the world America in 2019 is in some ways a lot different than the world of America in the early 1990s. Um, and I guess what I'm trying to say is that the people that I knew in the National Civil War Association, they were the nicest, most diverse group of people you've ever met in your life. They were, they were African Americans. There were women not only reenacting as civilians, but there were women in uniform yep. reenacting, yep. portraying the one of, you know, there were several hundred documented cases of women during the Civil War who caught, cross-dressed as men and fought during the war under arms. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we had one in our group, I think. Yeah, so, ninth. right. So um, I, I definitely want to, you know, emphasize the fact that it's a, it was a non-political organization and there were the most diversity in terms of race, gender, political outlook, all that kind of stuff. So it was very inclusive and I never at once felt any sort of sense of um ugliness you might say mm-hmm. um but yeah um so yeah so of course you know we're both we were on different sides of the uh 
of the of the conflict at least in 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 that sense um in terms of the units that we fought with yeah. um and of course where you had a kind of looser dress code you know for me it was kind of like you know i wanted to buy every last piece of bric-a-brac that there possibly could have been that was worn and then put it all on at once kind of thing so yeah you know i'm kind of suffering in the heat you know with all the wool clothing oh. and heavy backpacks and knapsacks yep. or whatever yep. haversacks uh, yep. and dude we've got pictures of you you know dressed to the nines with the shoulder plates and everything and i'm just like man oh my you know what i in scanning some of these old family photos yeah. to probably go with our episode yeah. this month like two things struck out to me what one is like like i guess it was me or one of us we had so many reenacting photos like a ridiculous amount like oh. i wish i i wish yeah. i wish if if we just had one percent of the amount of reenacting photos that we had of things like our childhood toys or something i'd be on cloud nine it was like I'm kicking myself. It's like, why didn't I take more pictures of the other stuff that I'm now interested in? But also it's, yeah. it's so weird because it's like, there's certain photos when we first started reenacting where like, and then it's like two or three later, two or three years later, it's like, I must've gone through some sort of crazy growth spurt because yes. it's like, I look like two different unrecognizable people. Yeah, you basically. got tall and skinny all of a sudden. Yeah. yeah it was like, did. holy crap. Yeah. Yeah, you did. So that's pretty funny. Yeah. Um, um, and it, it is, we, I remember we would take, I think we would take at, at least a disposable camera mm -hmm. to each event. Right. And we would fill up maybe sometimes two. Uh -huh. And it literally was each event. I mean, it's, it, it, it would be like me going to a car show and being like, I'm going to take a picture of every single car um, yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, we got hundreds of Civil War reenacting yeah, photos. It's crazy. So we got a ton. Oh, my God. Um, so another place that we, we reenacted, um, up in Alameda County, the Concord Naval Weapons Station. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just Actually, I think that's Contra Costa County, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, oh is it? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. Um, but <clears throat> I mean, still, I mean, if, if you can't imagine <sighs> anything more pre 9-11 than a, you know, a, a Department of Defense, a U.S. Navy facility allowing hundreds of armed people onto their property basically yeah, yeah. This, um, this was summer this was hot this was dry this was hard uh, ground this was yeah i think it would only ever happen there once and then it was like yeah that's not a great place let's pick somewhere else i want to say i seem to recall and this is again this might be an, an incorrect memory but i want to say that there was a situation where somebody had and if 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 you're not familiar the, the weapons used during the civil war they were muzzle loading they were um the bullets were in these kind of paper cartridges mm -hmm. that the soldiers would tear open and feed into the barrel of the musket apparently there was a reenactor who some of their cart and of course during civil war reenacting it's basically the identical situation except the paper cartridge just has the black powder and there's no lead mini ball or shot in it right um, apparently, if my memory if if memory serves, um, there was a reenactor whose cartridges got wet somehow, and the water soaked through the black powder to the tip of the cartridge and kind of solidified and dried into oh. like a hard bit. Okay. And supposedly there was somebody who found one of these cartridges, and they felt it with their hand, and they felt like there was a bullet in it. 
And supposedly they showed it to base security or something, and they thought, oh, we have a crazy person here who has a real bullet, a live bullet or something. Or maybe not a crazy person, but there's an act mistake or some sort. Right. And they had to – there was some sort of weird lockdown. People had to check on things, and people had to go through all their equipment, and maybe there were MPs or something. And then they finally figured out what it was, what was really going on with this moisture situation. Wow. But I think that's – an. I think that's an accurate memory. I'm not sure if that's 100% true, but I think that's an accurate memory. And I was old enough to not write it first. I was was initially, like, basically the water boy. I'd I'd run around carrying canteens. Um, But but Mm -hmm. after after about a year, um, I could get my own musket. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, I don't remember this. I don't remember this situation. Yeah, again, it's. I don't know if it's an accurate memory. Um, it, it, what if, it may well be, but I'm just saying that I, I just don't have a clear memory of it. Because there were, there were things that the reenactors would do periodically. Maybe a member would have property in a rural area, and they would do something, maybe it was called a live fire shoot. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a public event, but they would get together on a weekend and fire their weapons with live rounds at targets and things mm-hmm. like that. Whatever happened to your musket? Do you remember? I boy, I don't know. Did you sell it? I I'm, I must have. Mm-hmm. Um, I I'm not, I don't even think any bits of my uniform still exist. Oh wow. Okay. Um, I mean, if it is, I mean, maybe it's buried way back in my closet. And we know how much of mom's stuff is in front of that now. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I, I I don't think I don't think any piece of my uniform is still around, or oh, wow. or my musket. Or the you know the bag I carried or anything like that my kepi. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, now you've obviously you still got your drums. Anything else still exist? Oh, I have I have almost everything. Do I mean, you really? Wow. There, I don't. There's things I don't have like my tent. I don't have. Oh yes. Um, some yeah, parts of my uniform. Tents. Yes, I don't have. I had like sack coats and mm-hmm. more of the field type uniforms and then i had like the dressy stuff yes. like the frock coats mm-hmm. all the dressy stuff i still have okay um it's kind of a reverse i think you were much better at re- keeping and preserving a lot of our childhood stuff but this is the one area where it feels like i maybe have kept more of my reenacting stuff than you did oh um, definitely i still have a, a musician sabers uh musicians during the civil war i guess had sabers so i still have that nice um which is really kind of the only weapon i have in my apartment in case i don't know if somebody tried to break in or anything like that um <laughs> not sure what good it's going to do it's pretty dull and blunt but well, um, it's that or a drum solo <laughs> yeah that'll keep them away <laughs> oh my god uh Oh man. Yeah. Let's okay. So, so, so yeah, this, I mean, this was living history. We would go and we would literally camp in these places. And, um, so we would, we would, we would camp in these, basically these little pup tents mm-hmm. and it was, um, a, a, a rectangle of canvas, mm-hmm. um, that we at least would be smart enough to treat. So it's, it doesn't soak up the water. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, spread out and we got, you know, a cross beam and, and two posts holding it up. And it's, I think it's, we, I think it might've been closed at one end and open at the other. Um, Mine was definitely um, flapless. So it was just, there was no privacy or anything like that. Yeah, okay. Um, just wide open. I, I, I want to say that maybe of all the, in an average reenactment, um, my, my rough memory is that maybe half of the participants would actually sleep 
on the grounds mm-hmm. overnight during mm-hmm. the reenactment, and maybe half of the people would have rooms in local motels. Yeah, or or an RV or a train. Or RV or something, something like yeah, that. Exactly I think, yeah, that. I think that's true. Yeah. I think that's very true. And, and of course, but, you know, under our period correct wool blanket, you know, we'd have a sleeping bag. Yeah, exactly. You yeah. know, we'd have this kind of stuff tucked away. I mean, that, that was kind of kind of kind of the thing. It's like, you know, here's here's the surface, and maybe here's one layer down, and it's and it's all period correct. But you go a layer below that, and it's like, well, here's all here's all our modern accoutrements. Right during all, the public, all the public's hours. gone. Okay, cool. Bust out the camp stove. Yeah, bust exactly. Out, you know. Yeah, definitely. Uh, your phones or whatever. Yeah, it definitely felt like um, during, I, I, I guess, for lack of a better phrase, open hours when members of the public could walk around through the camps and talk to people and learn about the past and history and stuff. It, all those things had to be kind of te- tucked away, basically. Mm-hmm. And then kind of after hours, they could come out or something like that. You well, know? And I, I almost think that that was, that was some of the more fun times is once the public had gone, it's like, well, we're all still hanging out. We're all still dressed, period. We're all still kind of doing the living history stuff to a point but now we're just a little bit more chill and Mm -hmm. you know maybe we're kicking back and we're talking about modern stuff but you know around the campfire and you know there would be uh, lots of campfires lots of music live music there would be food being cooked the night times were my favorite times of all reenacting because it's dark you don't see the members of the public you don't see modern things like telephone poles um, so you really can sort of almost forget yourself and and try to and feel like you're back in that time period. Yeah, you do get a little lost in it sometimes. We would there would be things called um, uh, I remember something called the Lyceum. Yes, I was just about to bring that up with Kearney Park. Didn't didn't the Lyceum happen there? Well, I think they happened in a couple of different places. Okay, I, remember, I couldn't remember. Which and of course, uh, for lack of a better ex- explanation, the Lyceum was almost like a talent show. Yes. Um, so there'd be singing and live music and storytelling and things mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, I seem to remember those usually happened at night um, yeah. for the most part. Yeah, but I don't yes, think those uh, were things that the public were privy to. I think that was a for us thing, if I remember correctly. Oh, they're so good, though. They were. Oh, no, they were great. Yeah. They were so much fun. Um, yeah. So so Kelly Park, our, our home uh, our home stadium, so yeah, to speak. Yeah, our home stadium. That's right. That's right. The home team. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I, I feel like Kelly Park became the thing. I think at, at a point they weren't able to do the Memorial Day event at Roaring Camp. Again, if yeah, maybe I it got too big for Roaring Camp. It, that or... might have been it, actually. That might, it have, might have been too it too big. Or I don't know. I, I think that I'm sure at some higher levels of the organization there were insurance things that had to happen. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. I don't know if that took part but yeah kelly park in our hometown of san jose was definitely a site where we reenacted which was a pretty cool thing um, oh yeah because they've got this whole um you know town recreation you know that's the main part of the park so lot, lots of old buildings mm-hmm. lots of old structures um you know grass and pavement <laughs> and then you go right. kind of like behind this and down a hill a little bit and then there's this big open space and that's where you'd have the encampments and the battles and everything and it was wonderful because if need be you could drive a couple you know 20 minutes to get home and take a shower or something yes it's like that, always is, a good thing always we, a good thing we would often go through these these weekends and not really have a shower yeah pretty um, good. i mean it literally in in many ways was like camping 
Uh, yeah. You know, you get home on uh, on Sunday afternoon. And it's like, okay, I'm exhausted, but I've got to pull all this stuff away and I've got to wash myself. And I really, mm-hmm. really got to wash myself. Right. Um, but yeah, Kelly Park was fun. Um, you know, and, and that was always neat because that, in some ways, that kind of harkened back to the, uh, I think, the very first thing we have on a home movie tape of ours was actually going to a living history day at kelly park yeah yeah uh that's, that's probably mid 1980s um yeah it was and 84. they had yeah they had things like um i think there was like an old-timey patent medicine medicine show type situation yeah there was blacksmithing blacksmithing people playing like stand-up piano mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah really yeah. cool stuff yeah really good ice cream shop at kelly park if you ever get the chance to go mm-hmm um well, i did an oh, in go ahead. i did a i did an internship at kelly park when i was in library school oh did you really oh yeah, yeah you did. that's right yeah, yeah the, the museum that i worked in was right about right upstairs from the ice cream place it oh, was yes, so yes, good yes, yes oh my god i'd forgotten you'd done that it was awesome oh god <sighs> <laughs> what what I, I can take another 15 minute break okay i'm gonna go downstairs get some ice cream yeah right i'll be right back i gotta go check on something historic uh, yeah. yeah i'm gonna go check some how some historic ice cream yeah. <laughs> oh man. Ooh. Oh man. Um, you know, I I realize in retrospect, kind of like we've got all these locations and we've got things that we're remembering, and then then I've got like at least for me, I've got a bullet list of stuff that's going to go back and reference some of these places. But ah, oh, that's okay. It's all whatever. good. Whatever. Um, uh, there was Gibson Ranch. Yep. Which was kind of northeast of Sacramento. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's actually still in Sacramento proper. At that uh, point, I, uh, I remember it being kind of near McClellan Air Force Base. I remember sometimes getting some some big yeah. planes going over. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I think there's still some uh, living history stuff that it, that takes place up in Gibson Ranch. Yeah. I now see. It's funny because when when we were first throwing these notes together, and I was just sitting there. I'm like, God, I I only remember a handful of locations, and I'm trying to come up with places, and I'm trying to like, you know. Um, I, I was over at mom and dad's and I was, <laughs> I was kind of basically just checking in on him cause dad's been dealing with his health stuff. Um, and we were talking about this and mom goes, yeah, there, I swear there's this one place in Sacramento and mm-hmm. I just, I can't remember the name of it. And I was like, really Sacramento? And I'm like, mm-hmm. I'd have to look at a map. I'd have to look at a map. And, um, eventually the name came to us. Um, and at first mm-hmm. I'm like, I mm-hmm. don't, I don't really remember this place, but just, since we started recording and, and, and started talking about this, um, Gibson ranch, what I have some very, actually some very vivid memories of Gibson mm-hmm. ranch. Now that I think about it. Mm. Well, hit me with it. Cause I really don't have any memories. I will. I was just trying to take a sip of water. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I talk a lot and then I sit down to record and I'm like, my throat's drying out. Help me. Um, so I I remember uh, getting up early in the morning. I mean, I've always been an early riser, and God help me, my kids get it from me. Um, and I remember getting up at Gibson Ranch, and it was early in the morning. Okay. The sun was just coming up, mm. and I walk over to where the battlefield is, and it's it's in a slightly sunken, you know, just just by a handful of feet. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe a little three foot hill down from where we were down to the battlefield. Um, but overnight, um, you know, 
you know, they leave the cannons and stuff mm. out there. And overnight, just enough ground fog had formed mm. to literally fill this battlefield area that was about mm-hmm. three foot below where I was standing. And you mm. could just see the tops of the cannons mm. over the fog as the sun's coming up. And I was like, oh, oh yeah. my God, I have got to get pictures of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So bust out the, the disposable camera. So I'm sure somewhere in all those photos is this photo that I'm describing. But you, you get this dawn rise. And it just, it literally looked like something from that point in time. Yeah, if if reenacting is good for anything, it's great for um, amazing visuals yeah. and good photo ops. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And, and and a bunch of guys running around with zesty mint-flavored stage blood <laughs> capsules tucked in their cheek until they take a hit right <laughs> near the crowd. Um, <laughs> it, that, that, I, I, that was specifically done a couple times at Roaring Camp. <laughs> where it was like, well, we know we're going to be near the crowd, so let's let's tuck one of these back in here, take a hit, crack it in your oh, mouth, geez. and just spit. Just blah, <laughs> you know, blood flying out of your mouth as you get God. shot. Oh yeah, it was. That uh, was there was a, a a kind of sick delight taken in. Okay, how gruesome a death can I take oh, near geez. the audience? Kind of thing. Um, we'd always try to one up each other for that kind of stuff. But this is actually this was one of those things I remember. Um, oh, what was it? I was this must have still been in my first year when we were at Gibson Ranch because I believe mm-hmm. I was carrying some canteens mm-hmm. um and um our troops colors mm-hmm. so it's flag bearer um in this one particular battle <clears throat> and it was it was a late evening battle like the sun was just going down Mm-hmm. when this battle happened so you get this kind of low light thing so all the muzzle flashes are a lot more pronounced mm. and everything and it it, it, ooh, it was eerie mm. it was mm-hmm. really eerie because i remember this battle was particularly scripted mm. so that the medical corps after the battle was done not everybody just popped up and like hey thanks for coming everybody stayed down and the medical corps came out with their lanterns and stuff Mm, and mm-hmm. that was spooky as all get out like look um, in the field for oh yes exactly and yeah. then so so people were encouraged to kind of be like okay be wounded be moaning be calling for someone um and it just it it really was chill inducing um but i specifically remember saying to the guy next to me he's like i'm like look i'm gonna take a hit and i'm gonna throw myself back and i am gonna throw this flag out of my hands Mm. I need you to catch it Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because at the same time, you know, it's, it's a flag. You, so you treat it with respect and everything. And I didn't want Mm -hmm. anything to happen to it on my watch, but I wanted to do something kind of a little over the top. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, I'm like, all right, here we go. This next volley. Right. And so union side fires, I throw myself back eyes closed and I and I throw it up, so so it's it's going up and away from me. I'm trying to keep it as vertical as possible, so this other guy can catch it mm-hmm. and keep going forward. And I'm gonna throw and I'm gonna throw backwards, um, and and I come down and God help me, I came down hard. Oh, like like there have been times I threw myself back and I'd literally I'd, I'd smack my head on the ground and go, okay, that was too hard. <laughs> oh, that hurts. But not only that, I came down on a canteen. Oh no! And these are metal canteens. Yeah, yeah. Right? These are not. These aren't wood. These aren't plastic. Yeah, you know, this is a metal canteen wrapped in wool. And God 
damn it, that hurt. That hurt. But the the dude, the the guy who caught it, Uh bless him, came back over to me. And he's uh-huh. just, he's, he's pretending to check on me, but at the same time he's down, he's whispering. He's like, holy shit, dude, that was amazing. You threw yourself back like four feet. <laughs> that's yeah. awesome. And I was like, oh my God, that's great. But I landed on my canteen. <laughs> yeah, right. Medic. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, bring no. me some Advil. Um, and, and, and that's great because I really, I, I, I didn't remember that until we started recording and now it's all kind of, kind of flooding back and I literally, I'm feeling the adrenaline coursing through me, remembering, you know, going through I that just, whole thing I, and just, wow, holy moly. I just had a weird flashback too, but it was something totally different and it was me it must have been you and i guess mom and we were at somebody's house and it was around christmas time okay yeah and everybody from everybody from the ninth virginia was there some people were dressed in uniforms yeah, some people ninth were dressed virginia in 20th christmas century party. clothing it was a christmas party and there was a company election to elect the officers for the next year okay yeah um yeah. like who's going to be captain mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I, I like i have this vague memory that somebody got elected captain who not a lot of people in the group liked, but then somebody got elected his second lieutenant who everybody liked. So they were, was fine with that or something. Anyway, it was some sort of weird political drama or something like that. Um, oh, but hey, the, yeah, there was a hey, neat Christmas party or something. Yeah, I do anyway, remember anyway. the Christmas parties. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, that just hit me now. So, you know. Yeah. And, but, and it um, actually, it was from one of those Christmas parties. I think it was up in like Vallejo or something. So we drove yeah. from San Jose to Vallejo. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, it's true. It's you, me and mom who were all into this. Dad was like, nah, I'm going to stay home. Thanks. Um, but yeah, we should, we should mention mom. Yeah. I, I totally dropped the ball. Yeah. Hold on. Hold on. Okay. Hold oh, on. Yeah. Cause this story is about dad actually. Okay. All right. Let's do that. And, and we, we get home from one of these Christmas parties and dad is nursing his forehead. Oh no. Um, he had, while we were gone and he was the only one home in the house cause you can't really count the cat. Cats just waiting for us all to die anyway. Um, don't mistake me. I love cats, okay? You hear memers on this podcast all the time. I love cats. But really, they are just waiting for us to die so they can take over. Um, memers it, is our, basically our third chair, yeah. Pretty much, yeah. And um, um, he was, at the time, trying to put something away up in the giant, like, home-built, wall-sized bookcase yeah parents have and there was a very heavy oak desk oh god right in front of this and he had lost his balance oh no he had smacked his forehead on the corner of this desk oh god and split his skin open oh no yeah um Ah. and and we unfortunately have a father who for most of his life never wanted to go to the hospital if he could help it Poor dad. I had no yeah. memory of this. That's oh, horrible. Seriously? His Frankenstein scar? You have no memory of this? <sighs> Maybe if I thought more about yeah. it. Okay. So now, yeah, go ahead. Okay, Continue. so so we get home. We've just been out at this party. It's like nine, almost you know, it's no, it's probably yeah. closer to ten o'clock at night by the time we've right. driven home from Vallejo. So it's already late. We're tired. We come home. Dad has clearly injured himself. Yeah. Right? And mom is like what what you know it was 1990 like we didn't have pagers we didn't have cell phones no, no. we had none of that kind of stuff no and no. so we proceed the whole family 
to take the almost literally the rest of the night to drive dad to the ER. Oh, wow. So he can get it checked out, get Jeez. stitches. Yeah. I remember being in the ER and it's being like midnight and I'm exhausted and the whole place is just kind of freaking me out. And I'm hearing oh my God. being sick and you know, I mean, it's an ER in the middle of the night yeah. in like the first half of December. Oh my God. And, well, maybe and, that's why I don't remember it. Maybe I was asleep or something, but yeah. Or you blocked it out. I wouldn't blame you if you did. Yeah. But yeah Dad's Frankenstein scar, which is Poor Dad. You know, still the stuff of legend to this day, happened while we were away at a Ninth Virginia Christmas party. Now, when he hit his head, did he have a vision of the flux capacitor? I was waiting for you to say that. God bless you for asking. I don't <laughs> think he did. Okay. I don't just think had to he get, did. But if it just, was just anything had to get that like off my chest. No, that's fine. If it was anything like me dropping a road sign on my head, it was probably just blinding pain. Hey, can I ask you a quick Back to the Future question? Sure. You know how in Back to the Future Three there's a guy trying to sell Marty McFly a cult peacemaker at the town festival? Yes. Isn't that the same town festival where the marshal is trying to make sure that nobody has guns there? Oh. Oh. Yeah, I think so. Isn't that kind of weird? It's like you can go to this town wait festival, a... <laughs> you can't bring any guns, but you can buy a gun there. It's like, wait a, wait I... a second. God dang it, I'm going to have to go back and look at that. I think you're absolutely right. Why is nobody talking about this? You know what? Okay, you know what the scare, like the saddest part of Back to the Future 3 is? Like, um, you know how, like, Doc Brown falls in love with, like, Ladyface? Yeah. Clara. Clara. Clara Clayton. Yes. Uh, Clay- Clayton Ravine, yes. She, yes. He falls in love with Clayton Ravine. Anyway, so, okay, I mean, the message there is that maybe a person's true soulmate and true love of their life lived and died 100 years before they were born. Yes. Right? Maybe, oh, isn't that just, like, mess you up on the inside? I mean, not, like, personally, but, like, in terms of other people, maybe. Well, I mean, unless you believe in reincarnation and you get a little kind of woo-woo there. But, uh, look, okay, true confession time, right? Okay. I wrote, you know, a lot of uh, just fan fiction? fiction. Yeah, or fan fiction, you know, yeah. at that time. Um, but I like to write, and I like to write stories, and I like to write time travel stories, and I would write stories Who like doesn't? this. Yeah, all right. Um, and, and, and yes, obviously inspired by Back to the Future 3 and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, no, I, I, I totally get it. Yeah. Um, and there's plenty of other movies that involve time travel and kind of playing on this whole, like, you know, oh, here's your soulmate, but, you know, it's the 1700s and you're stuck in 1980-whatever. Uh, right, right. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, yeah, in a way it is sad, but they wind up together, so, yay. Oh, I meant, yeah, but I meant for, like, other people, like people who don't go through time. Oh, well, yeah, I mean, that that's that's generally kind of bummer because I think time travel would be fun. Yeah. Anyway, okay, back on topic. Back to the Civil War. <laughs> let's 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 get this wagon back on the trail. Okay, okay. So we talked about Gibson Rats. We talked about Kelly Park. Yep. What about Milpitas? Yeah, Ed Levin Park up in Milpitas. How could I have... This was one of the last places I remembered, and I think it was one of the first places we ever went, because I think think this was like, at least one year, this was the opener. This was like March, back when the hills were still green. Um, And I, I, I already knew... Ed Levin Park is just kind of a neat place to hike around. And I know that uh, at least at, at, at a time you could go hang gliding there if you owned mm-hmm. hang gliding paraphernalia. Um, uh, Ed 
11. I I actually think now that I really really think about it, I think actually I think Ed Levin March of 91 was probably my first time trying this out. Mm. And I was trying it out to figure out if I actually wanted to do it. Yeah. Because I bar basically borrowed all my clothes and stuff and unfortunately then as I sort of am now I'm kind of a chubby guy and I'm kind of between sizes. Mm in some ways so it's like oh yeah i fit a 38 waist but my legs are more like 42 Mm -hmm. you know uh so it'd be one of those things and unfortunately the pants oh god this is gonna be an embarrassing story um the pants that i got as loners um they fit fairly all right but they were Mm -hmm. a little tight kind of in that uh thighs rubbing together Mm -hmm. way Mm -hmm. and this being wool um they chafe mm-hmm. oh, boy did they chafe um this was a situation where over the course of just that first day just the saturday mm-hmm. um i had managed to split the pants mm-hmm. um is that a train yes nice <laughs> nice add to the ambiance it's better than the little whistling air vent i've got up here as the heater kicks on um <laughs> So wait, you split your pants just like the uh, just like the Halloween episode with the I, yeah, Inspector Gadget right? costume. But I'm not Inspector Gadget. I'm not oh, that no. cool. No, I literally I split my pants, but I was too oh. embarrassed. I didn't want to tell anyone. So I marched around oh. okay. with these, you know, slightly split open at the crotch pants, but I've got this wool Ugh. chafing my thighs. My thighs were bleeding. Oh no. By the end of that first day. I'm surprised you came back to the hobby. <laughs> right? <laughs> if if I'm not mistaken, for for at least part of that first year, I would actually wear bicycle shorts. Oh wow! Okay, under my uniform, so I'd I'd, I'd yeah. have that that kind of stretchy spandex okay. material to kind of cushion uh, myself because at that time I didn't wear boxer briefs. Not that you needed to know that, but. You know, Hello. having, yeah, I know, sorry. <laughs> having, having that extra Hello. layer that kind of went down to, you know, my mid thigh region, um, it, it definitely made things warmer. Um, I, 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 but I really it, know. It, it was a, a level of protection that really was inspired by hurting myself pretty badly. I, I know what you mean really well because when I, I would wear my reenacting pants, um, I wouldn't. I was chubby too. I wouldn't split the crotch, but I would wear out the crotch. Yeah. And yeah. so mom, mom got to the point where she would sew like leather down there. I remember the that. Yes. Um, and it's 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 actually really funny because another memory I have reenacting. It's not a happy memory, but um, I think listeners to the If Memory Serves podcast will agree that Taylor and I, um, especially I, had essentially a spoiled childhood in the sense that our parents were so loving that they catered to almost every whim we had. Um, uh, we would frequently on trips come from the toy store while mom driving the, the car after having purchased us Lego sets would at stoplights on the drive home from the store, hand the Lego sets to our mother and ask her to assemble the Lego sets at the red light <laughs> before we got home because we were that anxious to play with it. Not like we had any inkling to put the set together ourselves. Anyway, that did eventually happen. Of course. (laughs) Of course. Um, for me, like there was a time in my life, in my childhood that I was that person, the person who was like, mom, do something for me. Why aren't you doing it right now? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, and then there was a point where 
I wasn't that person anymore. And the reason for that was um, I was at a reenactment once and I was I, I needed mom to sew something or fix something or hem something. And I was giving her a hard time like I always did because I was kind of a spoiled kid. And one of the other reenactors, an adult, just basically chewed me out in front of mom. Really? And Yeah. And it was like. <sighs> And but it was good. It was the kind of talking to I really needed because it was like after that, it was like I never was like I hoped I'd like to think that I was never like that ever again, really. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, I think that was Kelly Park. No, no, that was uh, that was Warren Camp. That was definitely Warren Camp. OK. OK. Yeah. Um, when when I saw mom and dad, when we were talking about some of these memories, uh, mom says that she has a memory of um uh, a guy named Floyd and getting leeches out of the lake at Eleven Park. I don't recollect this. What? Yes. Why would they be getting leeches? Is for the, this for like the a medical, bloodletting thing? For the medical thing, just to you know, keep in jars to make it look more authentic. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah. Oh, I, I don't have a recollection. Of, I mean, obviously, I have memories of Floyd. He was basically like um, Hagrid of the Civil War. <laughs> yeah. You know, big, dark, bushy beard guy. Yeah, Floyd um, Oedegaard. Uh, yes. He was the president of NCWA during most of the time, I think, that, that we were involved with the okay. group. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, wow. Well, yeah. I don't doubt it. You know, I mean, I'm sure, right? Mom. I mean, I don't know how you get leeches. I mean, do you? is it like is it like a, a stand by me? Do you have to, like, put on tidy whities and with, you know, wade okay. through? You know, <laughs> is that? I mean, I, I have no idea how one catches a leech. I mean, you I, know. You know, I don't either. Maybe I don't want to know. I don't know. Uh, there's probably a YouTube video for it, though. Oh god. Okay. All right. All right. Let's Move get home. let's get through some more of these locations here. All right. So here we go. Got like a half okay. dozen more. Okay. Um, uh, I was really impressed when um, they were like, "Hey, we're gonna go to Half Moon Bay." Oh, yeah. And I'm totally. like, "Wait, we're going to the beach?" And they're like, <laughs> "No, we're going across the highway from the beach. Here's this place <laughs> called Johnson House." Beautiful place. Really uh, historic building, I think. Yeah. Uh, um, big, 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 big open space. Not a lot of shade from what I remember, but you're on the coast, so it was cooler. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm definitely. Um, and, I, and I think some of the pictures you scanned. Uh, mm-hmm. um, you can see Johnson House. And yeah, yeah. You we're, were from this location. Um, I, don't, I don't remember it happening more than once, though. Yeah, I don't know. Um, um, I don't remember there, us being there many times. Maybe twice. No. Yeah, uh, but the funny thing is, is I actually I think it is tentatively on the 2019 NCWA calendar. Oh, that's cool. Uh, because I was actually I'm like, well, I can't remember these locations. Let's actually go to their site and see where they're still going to these days. Yeah. Um, and that's I think I think Johnson House was on there. I think I think at this point in the list that we put together in our show notes, I think we're now at the part where I started remembering some locations that you guys hadn't already generated. Um, uh, yeah, and I'm I'm kind of surprised that I don't I didn't remember this first one because it was one of my favorites. Yeah, Stanislaus County Knights Ferry Recreation Area. Yeah. It's a really neat place because it has one of the I guess biggest or oldest or prettiest um, covered bridges. Yes, uh, in that part of California, um, which is really fun because it kind of added to the. I don't think there was anything that we involved the bridge with in terms of battles, but definitely marching to and from and photo ops, things like that. That was pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, there was definitely that. Um, there's the um, remains, ruins, what do you want to call it? I think of a of an old grist mill mm, okay. at yeah, Ferry, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. 
um and and it was it was nice because i think there was at least a little part of of those old buildings and stuff that was adjacent to the battlefield um so you kind of could Mm -hmm, use mm -hmm. the building as as cover and stuff and that that was kind of Mm -hmm. a nice aspect instead of just being kind of out in the open you know like it normally would be you had Mm -hmm. a slightly more um uh dynamic battlefield as it were right I, i remember and i remember somebody in in our unit saying all right let's all regroup at the grist mill and i'm like i thought it was a flour mill and it's kind of like that is what a grist mill is i'm like oh okay Looks up, looks up new every day. There's I mean, quite honestly, there, <laughs> it, there, a... there is a level. I, I, I think everybody in our unit, I mean, cause at least in the ninth, I mean, most everyone was older than me, you know, by a minimum of 10 years. Cause you know, I'm 14, 15 yeah. at this point. Right. Um, and so we've got people who were raised on old shows like F troop. Um, oh god yes and thankfully we were raised on nick at night which would show f troop and f troop if you've never seen it oh my god it's it's basically a 1960s comedy um set um it was basically it was was set on the frontier but it was that same kind of 1860s era um and it's just goofy it was great and this you know this this year we lost ken barry who played in f troop um bless him and yeah um this there would always you know just amongst the group there'd always be this kind of like level of comedy mm-hmm. that would kind of uh, uh uh permeate our discussions and stuff um so that that was just one of those night's fairy memories it, it it's weird to think about how many photo albums or home movies you and i may have been featured in if not just in the background you know what i mean oh um, other people of people who came to spectate yes yeah. yes no i, it's, I mean that's yeah, kind it's of a, a trip thought. to think about yeah, yeah. It, is. it is yeah um but yeah uh night's very great place um there was this i definitely remember reenacting um at the santa cruz county fairgrounds in watsonville um i can't remember too much about the battlefield but i definitely remember the where the camp was yeah and having to do like um like guard duty in the middle of the night. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. We had to uh, do that, that too. Yeah. That was kind of fun. Um, uh, Duncan's mills in Sonoma County. I'm on the fence. I don't know if we actually, re- I know that there are reenactments that occur there, but I can't I remember. If we... don't recall this place. Um, and then the, the last place I remember was um, in Hollister, Casa de Fruta. Yeah. And I want to say that that was the very first reenactment that, not not that I participated in, but that I, I was physically at. Like at the very beginning of getting into the hobby, at least for me. Okay. Um, and I don't know if that's true. I mean, I'm sure somebody out there in the world has a list of actual the schedules from the 1990 to 1995 that you could actually match up and say, well, you know, maybe there was never at Casa de Fruta or it was at Casa de Fruta in like 95 at the end of our tenure. That would um, be... Casa de Fruta, of course, is kind of like a semi-famous california institution it's like a roadside attraction it's like a place where you can buy dried fruits but there's also miniature train rides and buffalo and all sorts of wacky yeah. stuff yeah and and every year the um the northern california renaissance fair is held there as well right exactly yeah. 
they have things like that so yeah um, it's it, it's a great place highway 152 as you head between the the bay area and the central valley right um i should go i i it's been a long time since i've been out there uh, I, I need to take at least 10 years maybe really more. oh my god yeah. it's been three three and a half months because we oh, went to wow. the ren fair oh okay sure 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 uh so yeah i mean I've been to Casa de Fruta a few times in just the past few years, but that's really, we'd go once a year for the, the Ren Fair. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't remember Casa de Fruta being earlier in our yeah. time, but again, I, I would have to see, I would love to see an archive of like, yeah, here's, you know, 91 to 95. Here's all the, all the schedules, all the old newsletters or something yeah, like that. Or something that. like that. Yeah, that would really... I'd like to have that just to be like, oh, it was in this order. Oh, yeah, Kearney Park mm-hmm. was at this time of year instead of that time of year or whatever. Great. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it looks like there's a couple things you have. Uh, you have one thing that says playing with black powder oh, yeah. uh, on our show notes. Oh, yeah. Okay, so... What's that story? Oh, that's a few stories. Um so yeah. this is all obviously a pre-Mythbusters era, um, <laughs> but when when I got my musket, you know, there was other stuff, other accoutrements I had to get, and I was expected to roll my own cartridges. Um, so I literally would have to, you know, have the little paper things, little tube pouring exactly, you know, X amount of black powder, you know, um, had to buy my own canister of black powder. You know, mm-hmm. here's here's this, you know, coffee tin, basically, um, full of explosives. Okay. <laughs> and I'm a teenager. <laughs> you can see where this is going. Oh, yeah. So I remember doing stuff like, I mean, we all remember Yosemite Sam and the barrel <laughs> of gunpowder, right? Oh, Every right. cartoon, gunpowder burns really slowly. Yeah, you know you can tiptoe and it will never catch up to you. And I'm where I remember being in the backyard. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna use, I'm gonna set a trail of black powder and put a little pile at the end because that's what would always happen. I want to see how fast it goes. Of course, of course. I'm like, it's science, right? Let's figure this out. Is it like history? It's history. I should know it's not like the cartoons. (laughs) So I, I lay down like a three foot long. Uh, 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 trail of black powder put a little pile at the end right and get a match and i light one end and i swear to god it is so fast it is boom like wow okay oh no not like the cartoons now i know and then and then (laughs) then i got the crazy idea like i wonder what it looks like when a cartridge actually explodes Right, you can't see inside the barrel. Okay, right, and All you're right. never gonna look down the, ba- the yeah. you know, never do that, folks. Don't do this at home. Um, so I, I asked Dad, right? I was like, "Hey, can I put a cartridge in the fireplace? Close, oh, no. close the doors as much as I can, and get one of the long, you know, matches that we have in there to light it and see what happens." Oh no! He's like, "All right, go for it." Oh. <laughs> thanks dad yeah i know right um so i did and obviously you know you you hit the the little bit of paper takes a second and i wasn't really sure what i was expecting to see but it in 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 an instant i go from being able to see this to 
just this basically this this cloud of black gray <laughs> just is and it's obviously oh, no. it's kicked up all the ash and everything in there everything in the fireplace just yeah everything in the fireplace it's just all Ugh. consumed there's no no fire no bang no sizzle you know it literally <laughs> is just it, it just turned in this instant cloud that just filled the entire thing i'm like okay we're just gonna keep this shut and let it kind of <laughs> you know dissipate up the chimney because i don't want this getting in the house um oh yeah. my brother the pyromaniac Playing with black powder Always this episode black. of it <laughs> this episode of if memory serves was brought to you by the letters a t f oh no hopefully the statute of limitations of all these things has passed i guess i don't know probably has all right oh Oh, jeez that's going all right um do you should we go back and forth with our bullet points sure okay all right i'm gonna i'm gonna hit one up now um okay this is something that's really been bugging me Hmm. maybe like 93 94 i'm at the reenactment at roaring camp and there is a photographer going around the, the reenactment taking photos, battle photos, photos of soldiers mm-hmm. to be used in a, uh, a desk or a wall calendar that this photographer is going to put out and sell commercially okay. for the following calendar year. And one of the months, each month, of course, is represented by a different color photograph. And one of the months featured me and two of my other uh, fellow drummers wow. actually and this was something and so basically i mean it's not like a cheesecake thing or anything but i am like a miss <laughs> which would be hilarious april or something right mr april you know uh-huh and this thing it's like i thought and i have seen this calendar within the last few years How it's either really? in my it's in my i definitely got a copy of it it's in my apartment or it's at mom and dad's house and even up till this evening when we recorded, I've been tearing things apart left and right looking for it. And I just cannot find it for the life of me. Oh, man. Hopefully I'm able to find it and scan it and throw it up online or something like that. But um, that was definitely a fun memory for me, at least. Um, oh, for sure. I was never, for the record, I was never a very good musician or a drummer. Um, I had a lot of fun doing it. Um, usually there were so many other drummers and fifers that whatever mistakes I made really weren't all that audible just kind of blended um, in just kind of blended in on the few occasions i did have to drum solo for groups of soldiers marching reenactors marching it wasn't pretty <laughs> and there's <laughs> a lot of yeah a lot of a lot of a uh, lot of um uh, I, i'm not very good at keeping rhythm let's just put it like that so well, you know anyway i i uh, just one last thing on that drum yeah yeah you yeah. you ultimately and and i I know your handwriting, your, your handwriting got to about third grade and stopped. Um, and I mean that lovingly, your handwriting is a little chicken scratchy. Okay. And I, and I like I said, and I mean that lovingly. Okay. Um, All right. But I was so impressed that you like hand painted everything oh, yeah. that's on that drum. Yeah. I, I saw, um, when I got into reenacting and the civil war in general, of course, I, you know, went overboard and got all sorts of you know, time life books on the civil war and books on civil war uniforms and things. And, the, and there's I definitely a lot out there. And there's a lot out there. And I definitely saw one book that had a photograph of an antique civil war era drum where, uh, presumably a drummer boy, probably post-war, I would think painted a list of all the battles that their unit had fought in. And I thought, Oh, that's interesting. And I researched the battles that the 71st Pennsylvania 
participated in and painted that on the face of my drum. Um, yeah. And, yeah. And, I, and, I, and again, as a testament to you and, and your skills, like I've tried painting stuff just recently, you know, stuff that we 3D print here at the house. And, you know, yeah. like, well, I don't want it to be black. I need it to be this color. And I painted and I'm not a good painter. Really? I am not a good painter. So, oh. dude, my seriously, my hat's off to you. Well, thank you. With that drum. Yeah. And the work it's, you put into that. I've been, it's it's definitely, you know, um, with all the outdoor camping and, you know, moisture and stuff getting into it, it's not in the best of conditions. And I've sure. even toyed around sometimes with maybe trying to find some place I can ship it to and have it put back into a playable condition. Um, I definitely remember that the... Um, uh, sometimes if you wanted to dismantle your drum, you'd have to undo all the, the, the rope used to to tighten it. Um, and I'm not a boy scout, I'm not a sailor, but, and I don't know about knots, but, um, teaching myself how to do and undo all of that rope work was pretty in depth. It, It was, it's pretty difficult, or at least it was for me. And I, I remember drawing little diagrams. Okay. Which way does this loop go and this knot go? Yeah, so I bet. Have you thought about seeing if the company that made it is still around? I don't. You know, I I look. I googled their name, and I don't get much. Huh. Um, but um, if they're not around, I'm sure there are folks that I probably could find that that do that kind of thing. Yeah, um, yeah. I would hope. Um, God, I love that drum. Yeah. Uh, all right. What do you got? Um, well, one year we decided to stay in the what is it the national hotel in nevada city right um and that place is a trip it's a definitely 1850s era hotel yeah that's still in operation um it's the as far as i can tell the only hotel that you and i have stayed in that was actually investigated by the um well-known tv show ghost adventures yes we were there first Yes, yes, um, but uh, <laughs> but it's, it's true they cool. did it. They did investigate it. Pretty cool place. Um, we'll have a couple scanned photographs of us at the hotel that we yeah. can. Yeah, they uh, are. It's funny because the lighting in this place is always kind of spooky, and so these photos when they come out. Remember, this is you know, <clears throat> uh, you know, f- actual film cameras and stuff. There's there's a vibe to them. There's yeah, there's something about them. And and the the hotel rooms, of course, are kind of decked out in period decor, furniture, yeah. and whatnot, light fixtures. Yeah. Um, so here's here's you know like mom and Seb like in uniform, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. or, or in in hoop skirts and stuff with this whole period room as a backdrop. And it's it's yeah, it's pretty cool. We'll definitely get some out on the Twitter feed and the Facebook. When was the last time you were in Nevada City? I was there about ten years ago. Um, oh, it's been at least that long, if not a little longer for me too. It was still really charming, but it was like, it seemed to me that every other shop was like a cannabis dispensary. <laughs> and I'm not complaining, but I'm just, it's its like that's the economy now, I think, up there. You know it what is. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It is. Um, it, it's, been, it's been a very long time. And I've, Mm -hmm. I've, I've got friends who have family up there. So every now and then I'll see pictures from up there and I'm like, oh man, Mm -hmm, I I want to make it back up there at some point. That's just such a neat town. Right. Right. (sighs) All right. Okay. So I think, okay. Um, yeah. Sutlers. Let's talk a little bit about Sutlers. Um, of course. Yeah. Sutlers. Yeah. During the civil war, um, there were things, people 
called sutlers who would travel the, with the armies and sell things to the soldiers, um, food, drink, supplies. Um, and at the Civil War reenactments that we attended, there were similar situations. People that would come and set up big tents and sell things for reenactors. Um, mm. And everything from uniforms to weapons to food to um, uh, toiletries. And, of course, this being the early 90s, I mean, a lot of this stuff could be purchased by people getting into the hobby via mail order catalog. Um, the Internet, I'm not sure how much that oh, was really a thing. Very much that, in its very infancy just at that the point. infancy. Yeah. Um, but a lot of people, I think, got kitted out by the settlers. I mm-hmm. can remember instances where you would have a reenactment and there might be a person, a member of the public, viewing the reenactment who got the bug and would literally go to a sutler and drop like two or three grand on just everything you needed and signed up with a unit right then and there, basically. Well, I've never heard of that actually happening. I mean, yes, uniforms and all that did cost quite a bit, but I've right. never heard of somebody being like, I'm just going to drop a couple grand because I'm going to do this now. Oh, I think um, I think there were a couple people definitely yeah. that just it was more like maybe middle aged dudes who they felt like this was like recapturing like playing cowboys and Indians when they were kids gotcha. kind of thing midlife crisis kind of thing. midlife crisis yeah. kind of okay. thing okay okay um, okay and and I think and sellers were great because you could find weird old timey playing cards for sale or harmonicas and yeah, all sorts you of fun could get stuff. all sorts of stuff and I and um, I and I think a lot of them to some extent would also kind of. Uh, uh, carry some stuff you know for the spectator um mm-hmm. you know because the spectators rock candy, would go rock candy beef uh beef jerky uh music cds some history books mm-hmm. right right you know um uh, some of the more like you know like a, a wooden kids pop gun kind of I thing th- i think the settler that i remember it was a business called fall creek settler that rings the bell Fall Creek, yeah, 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 yeah. Mom even had a story that maybe you might have gotten into civil reenact, civil war reenact because you had a crush on a daughter of a settler. It, it, there. I seem to recall. Okay. I seem to recall a settlery that I think they might have been originally based in Fremont. Okay. Um, if you, you want to talk about how long ago this is, this is back before the nine two five area code. This is back when all of Alameda and Contra Costa County was five ten. Okay. Um, and, and, um, um, I, yeah, I seem to remember like that first roaring camp that we attended where we went, Oh, this is a thing. That was kind of <laughs> cool. Um, being at a settler and there was, you know, a gal working, Okay. At that one, and I was like, "Wow, she's cute." <laughs> so that that may where very well have been the case. Do I remember much beyond that? No, I don't. But all right, uh, enough said. Yeah, enough said. I get crushes okay. easy. End of all story. Right. All right, your, your turn. Your turn. Oh, um, 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 let me go back up to mine. Um, okay, so, <laughs> um, there, I feel like there came a point in doing Civil War reenacting where, at, at least for me, um, you know, some of my uh, interests kind of shifted a little bit away from being in the military. And there were times where I'm like, you know what, I just want to be a civilian. Mm-hmm. I'm just a little bit tired of the grind here. So I, I think there was at least a year 
where I was like, I'm stepping away from the ninth. I'm going to kind of be over here in the civilian camp. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, so I was hanging out with mom more and, and the friends that she had made uh, doing this. And obviously lots of people like to cook. Lots of people like to bake. Um, mom had a couple of friends. Um, I think there were sisters, older sister mm-hmm. and younger sister, one named Libby, one named Kit. Mm-hmm. Um, lovely ladies, very, very nice, super sweet people. Um, funny thing they also lived in San Jose mm-hmm. at the time. Um, every so often it's like, we'd be out at like a grocery store, or a fabric store or something. We'd run into them. It's like, Oh, Hey, it's just weird seeing, you know, people that, you know, from reenacting in street clothes. And you're like, you're not in hoop skirts. What's going on? Mm-hmm. Um, but they had a recipe for something called Toll House Pie, or as we mm. like to call it, Death by Chocolate, which I don't, mm. I mean, delicious. Holy mm. crap. Take a pie crust and basically fill it with melted Toll House chocolate chip cookies. Mm. Or not cookies, uh, the, just the chips. Mm-hmm. Um, and then let it harden. Mm-hmm. Um, and this thing was so rich and mm-hmm. so chocolatey that you could have just the teeniest slice and be like yeah i'm good Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um and then there's me who as i later learn in life i'm incredibly histamine sensitive and chocolate (laughs) has a shit ton of histamine in it (laughs) um and i would eat the stuff like crazy i'm like oh Oh. give me more um (laughs) but for whatever reason at that time i wasn't having a reaction to it thank god i couldn't do that today but i have great (laughs) memories of this pie this death by chocolate pie and oh um you know, the, so good the, the friends uh that, that we had in this group oh my gosh yeah oh delicious um <laughs> hungry yeah right uh that's such a good but it's 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 like I mean, diabetes on a plate though it's like i probably you know couldn't even look at a slice of that oh, today but it was so yeah, good yeah right that's uh, definitely not keto i'll tell you that well one of the memories i have also is a guy named bill dunaway and Mr. Dunaway is one of America's premier, um, I'm probably going to get the phrases wrong, but wet plate collodion photographers in the United States, somebody who actually makes photographs today using the techniques and materials that were used in the middle of the 19th century. Um, Tintypes or ferrotypes, basically. Um, And he uh, is here in Northern California, um, was set up and... Uh, at Roaring Camp one year taking photographs. Um, Mm. You could pay to get a photograph made if you were a reenactor or just a member of the public. And one of the things I think is really the coolest is that we have one of his um, tintypes of you and I um, in uniform. Um, I definitely tried to scan it to the best of my ability. Um, It's still at Mom and Dad's house. It didn't come out as clear as I would have hoped. I I Um, try throwing it in Photoshop and just, you know, gently touching it to just bring a little bit more detail out because you're right it's not a flat photo like a printed photo would be this is right in like in a case yeah well i definitely under glass almost oh i definitely popped it out of the thermoplastic case and scanned just the the the, the metal plate oh you break uh, soul yeah you can you can dismantle those old photos like that i, I just um, don't know that i would have tried that but man good job yeah uh, i mean the emotional layer is still pretty solid um but the thing is i love the fact that we have a photograph of you and i 
that for all intents and purposes, the materials, construction, and, and chemical composition of which is identical to something from the middle of the 19th century. Mm-hmm. It's almost like that photograph of Doc Brown and Marty from Back to the Future Part 3, where they're like standing in front of the clock. You know? Yes, I do. It's like it's like a photo we went back in time and had made or something. I just love this little thing. It's just it's so perfect. It you is know? cool. We'll make sure to share that out. Okay. Um, what else? Oh, oh, hey, another like danger of black powder thing here. Oh, oh. I I no no not happened to me. But again, this is this is uh, just something. I guess something you need to be aware of when you're doing this. There was um, there's a guy in my troop, and actually might have been one of the guys that you actually scanned a photo of. Mm. Um, it looked familiar. Um, you know, but he, um, uh, he, his rifle was a repeater, um, and cavalry got him first at that point in history. Like they were just kind of coming on the scene. Um, yeah. Like a carbine. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's what he was using. And, um, I remember this was at Roaring Camp. Um, and it might, it might've been the same year as the infamous dress parade photo. So we'll talk about that in a sec. Um, but I remember this was later in my high school years. I knew I had to take a day off to study for finals. And I think, I think it was this day as well that this happened. Maybe it was the day before, but it was the same weekend, if nothing else. And he was out on the battlefield and going through the battle and, um, a bit of black powder had actually built up, um, on his rifle. So the, that like the next shot that he took ignited that powder as well and basically went up in his face oh no um now luckily he wears glasses that helped Mm. protect his eyes he had facial hair that helped to protect his face to an extent but i remember i mean it was enough it bent his glasses oh wow um it it pretty much it like singed off like half his mustache and he actually like worked to have like kind of like the waxed mustache. He's got like the curls going. Oh my gosh. It took like half of his mustache off. Oh. It took most of his eyebrows. Oh my god. But but he he effectively he was okay. It's not like he got like, you know, horrible skin burns. I mean, he kind of yeah. looked a little sunburned after it. Okay. Um but I remember being back at camp and and they were like treating him um, you know, getting him like cold compresses and stuff to kind of, um, you know, take down any swelling. And, you know, he's, he's sitting there like inspecting his glasses in there. Oof. I mean, I mean, it was like taking a punch. Yeah. And it was just one of those lessons where it was like, okay, pay attention to your rifle. Be, oh. be real, you know, watch yeah. out for this. I also remember doing, a um, uh, an impromptu roaring camp in October. Okay. one year because the the place we were supposed to go to had to cancel for whatever reason i don't recall uh-huh. but roaring camp was like hey you guys can come back here if you want and we're mm. like all right roaring camp it is mm-hmm. <clears throat> and i remember getting up sunday morning and one guy comes walking up to the fire with his boots and he's like guys this is why you remember to shake out your boots first thing in the morning and he shook oh, his no. boot out and there's a tarantula Ugh. Did you know that October is actually tarantula migration season in the Santa Cruz mountains? <laughs> Jeez, how great. So he was, uh, that no. tarantula was camp pet for the weekend. Yeah, yeah, you know. But yeah, that gave us all a bit of a fright. We're like, oh, crap. 
it's like dances with wolves meets arachnophobia or something something like that and i swear even to this day just going camping i make sure when i get up in the morning i i try to shake my shoes out just in case anything got into them over <laughs> i to this day but you know it's interesting you mentioned that because i definitely remember um safety being a huge concern oh, in yeah. reenacting and i remember at the end of each battle a battle might last 30 45 60 minutes and once recall was sounded and all the dead, quote unquote, came back to life or whatever, <laughs> yeah. there was a thing where all the soldiers would assemble and most, almost all the weapons at this point would have been empty and have no mm, cartridges in their them. muzzles. Yeah. Right. But there was a thing where they always had to do, it was like a ritual where everybody had to load the weapon and then aim it to the sky and fire it once just to make sure that everything has been cleared and there's nothing yep. left, basically. Yep. And I, I even remember some of the artillery folks um, having demonstrations for the public where you might have a cannon and then in front of it you'd put maybe like a wooden stake and then like a raw chicken or, a, or like a soda oh, can on yeah. it. Yeah, and they I would fire that. it to, to kind of like, yeah, because they're trying to teach the public that, hey, listen, there's no cannonball in here, but still um, – you that, know, that muzzle the, flash is I guess shockwave or whatever. The muzzle flash is dangerous, and it's going to mess what mess up whatever's in front of it, basically. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, it's really I interesting. Remember, that's right. I remember that. I totally remember that. One of the stories I really wanted to talk about really quickly. Uh, Mom, we've talked about Mom being involved in reenacting with us. She was, of course, portraying a civilian, so she's wearing like a hoop skirt and all that kind of good mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was asking her this weekend if she had any fun reenacting memories, and she was telling me how. She and a lot of the other women in the civilian camp um, during reenactments, whenever members of the public would come through who were women who might be dressed in modern 20th century clothing, oh, maybe it's the summertime, maybe they're wearing, maybe they're wearing shorts, maybe they're wearing like, um, you know, a, a tank top or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. The, um, my mom and the other women in the in the camp would um, kind of have fun with them and play with them a little bit and and act as if they were really concerned over these women because they thought that um, troops had come through and stolen their clothing. And these were women that were wearing their underwear, basically, yes, yes, you know, yes. oh my gosh, because, yeah, un- yeah. Cause they're showing their ankle or whatever, you know, something that would have been scandalous in the 1860s yeah. and kind of, you know, Oh, do you need help? You know, do, you know, can I, can I give you some clothing or something That's like right. that? Oh my God. And I that, that. that was, yeah, that was, a, that was kind of a funny memory. I thought, you know, that was kind of neat, you know, cause you're yeah. kind of just playing around with these people and there's always such a, fun sense of humor amongst the reenactors and maybe we need to maybe it's time for you to tell the the dress parade story okay uh, yeah this man we've got we've got a picture of this seb has i was so it. glad i found that uh, oh i'm so glad you found it too because that's such a great memory that was one of my favorites um um so this was monday of a memorial day weekend at roaring camp um and of course being memorial day everything's kind of you know done up a little bit more seriously um and <laughs> the night they call dress parade dress parade man you you put on your best i mean seb you can attest to that and getting into oh, yeah. like your fancier garb well the ninth virginia for whatever reason decided well they call it dress parade all right ladies let's borrow your dresses <laughs> Um, and they rock up for dress parade and I'm kicking myself cause I'm, I'm just in my street clothes at this point. I'm like, I got to study for finals and 
they are there and from head to waist you know they are in their finest you know the rifles and the hats and the coats and everything from the waist down they are all in dresses and i'm awesome. just like you guys you guys are amazing you guys are so awesome why why am i missing out on this um and it was hilarious it was one of those things you know you, you do it for uh, uh uh formation and you roll up you get laughs for it and then everybody ran back and you know got their fucking pants on and came back out for the good, public good. but man that was really good memories though oh yeah. my god yes yeah, seriously yeah. it was the best it was the best uh, um, uh, but I think I, I think we should use that <clears throat> and and obviously um, uh, uh, mom's underwear story to talk about something called Farb. Yes, yes, Farb. Farb. When you man, when you stuck that in the notes, I lost my mind. I was like, oh my god, yeah, Farb. And everybody's was going, what the heck is Farb? Farb. Do you, do you remember what it derives from? I don't. I don't. Okay. okay. I actually remember what it derives from because there in this group there, there was always, you know, you want to, um, you want to portray the living history as accurately as possible. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and there's also the understanding that, you know, especially if you're starting out, maybe you don't have the funds to get, the most accurate things, or maybe you just don't know, maybe you're learning. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but there was always this, um, oh, I don't know. I think, I think in some ways there was almost this underlying, like, um, judginess, not in a bad way, but just mm. kind of like watching out for each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, uh, it derives from somebody going, Far be it for me mm. to tell you what's basically wrong with your outfit, mm-hmm. right? But if, yeah. if it's like, oh, hey, your pocket, you know, your your wristwatch is showing. There, there were basically yeah, exactly. like the Farb Patrol, and it'd be like, hey, you know, we can kind of see your sleeping bag in this tent. Yeah, you know, anything farb. that you had, yeah, anything that, was that you had that was. Yeah, anything that was like 20th century that was obvious that, you know, really didn't fit. You know, if you were wearing your Nike's with your uniform, you know, that wasn't going to that wasn't going to cut it. You'd have to take those off and put on some boots or some brogans or something oh, like that, brogans, you know. That's what they were called. That's right. Yeah. God. Yeah. Oh. Um yeah, Farb. Um do you remember pickles? Um I never really got into most vinegar-based uh condiments. But I mean, do you remember, I remember at the end of each battle, there would be women who would come through with huge pails of cold water and cups so you could drink some water and refresh That I remember. And also women with huge pails filled with like pickle slices. And I never quite understood it, but the only thing I could think of it was meant as a way to replenish your salt after the exertion. Um, I can um, definitely so that see you, that. So that people wouldn't faint, maybe, or something. And it's true. But, I mean, one of those things you got to watch out for, especially in those outfits, and especially at summer, is heat exhaustion. Heat exhaustion. Yeah, that's what, I'm, that's what I was trying to say. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, one of my big uh, Civil War reenacting memories are people walking through fields with huge 
metal pails filled with pickle slices, which is just kind of a, it's an odd memory, but um, it's definitely something that, that sticks in my mind, you know? Yeah, um, I, I really, I remember, I remember the water. I don't remember the pickles as well, but I never wow. liked pickles, so I'm yeah, so you not probably surprised wouldn't have that I, yeah, it. yeah, don't remember that. Um, I just have a really, a couple quick last things yeah. on my list. Um, one is, uh, do you remember our great-grandma? Yeah. Yeah. So right around the time that I was getting into the Civil War, and it was probably 1990, and I'd seen the Ken Burns documentary, Mm -hmm. I remember going to her, and this was before she moved back to Florida, and she still lived out here in California. And I asked her if she had ever known anybody in the Civil War. And she said something like, oh, good gracious, yes. And to this day, I, if I could go back in time and kick the stuffing out of me, I would, because I didn't follow that question up. And, who was it? Well, no, but the thing is, I've done research since then. Her grandfather basically raised her, and okay. he was he was um, he served as a private in the Tenth Florida Infantry. Oh, during the Civil War. Okay, and so here's a person that we knew who had firsthand memories and stories and knowledge of our ancestor who fought in the Civil War, and. She's long gone. You know, she died in 94. No, and 93, so because I 93. was in New Zealand when it happened. Okay, yeah. So it's like, it's like it, this thing that just haunts me to this day. Aww. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, I get it. What else? What else? The National Civil War Association was incredibly blessed because there was one group that reenacted with us who had or has a full-scale, faithful recreation period um mounted artillery case on horse-drawn cannon mm-hmm. and i might be mistaken but i believe it's the only one of its kind west of oklahoma really and it's really like i think it's really um popular at reenactments i think sometimes it's used for like special funerals and stuff mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i'll tell you when when i was at a reenactment this the stuff that got me excited was people on horseback i thought that was really cool and the mounted artillery that was stuff that was so neat because it, you could almost put yourself you you could, you could almost lie to yourself and say that you were back in time basically you yeah know I mean? sure sure um and um i don't know if you had any experience with this but it seemed like a lot of the people i knew reenacting had at some point or another been lucky enough to be called upon by television or film producers who were looking for um uh extras for films yeah uh, i knew a guy who he was in the medical corps and i'm i could have sworn he was one of the two surgeons in the opening scene of dances with wolves who was almost going to cut off kevin costner's leg oh that rings a bell and and it was so say that it was so interesting because there were so many people, not me, not me or you, but there were so many people in our outfits that um, could rattle off like, oh, yeah, I was an extra in this movie and that movie. Because mm-hmm. it, it seems like there were so many um, movies from that time period or TV shows from that time period that kind of took advantage of this ready pool of um, people that were willing and able to, you know, be an extra, be, ex- be an extra, outfit. and bring your own outfit. Yeah. Exactly, it was kind of like a movie producer's dream in a sense. You know, no, if you're making and, that and kind of film. You know what? There was actually one show that was actually filmed at a Roaring Camp that we were at. Do you remember this? 
there was a show i remember well. seeing i remember seeing like tv news crews and stuff like right, that. right you, you you get that but no yeah. there was an episode of rescue 911 hosted wait, wait, by wait. william shatner this wait. just came back to my wait. mind i remember wait this. You're right. Yes. There was. Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. And they, oh, they, you're they, they my filmed mind. the scenes for it at Roaring Camp. Oh, no way. You're yes. right. Oh, my yes. God. This deserves a YouTube search soon. Oh, my God. You just – every episode, there's at least one thing you say that blows my mind because it's a memory that I haven't thought about in, like, 30 years or something. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's this one for this episode. That's crazy. I just oh. – as you were talking about that, it hit me. Oh my god! Yep. Wow. Yep. Jeez, I you, you kind of knocked the wind out of my sails. That's there, okay. Man. I, I I really truly have nothing else that will top that. I've just got a couple fun little things that I remember as we wrap up here. Well, let me say let me say the last thing I got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll go, ahead, go for it. Go for it. There was a unit that reenacted with us that was called um, the Cal One Hundred. They they were portraying Company of the Company A of the Second Massachusetts Cavalry, which was a unit. Composed primarily of people from California okay. during the war. Yeah, I, I recognize the name. They had a little flag that they flew, and it had a little bear on it, like sure. a California bear flag, you know? Yeah. And when I got hired, um, of course, um, I, I, I work at the um, California State Archives in Sacramento now. And when I got hired there like 12 years ago or something, mm-hmm. um, I got to go downstairs into our artifact storage area, and we have a lot of old Civil War battle flags down there. And one of the flags down there is the real bear flag guide on from the California oh, 100. No way. And oh, it looks man. it looks exactly like the flag from the NCWA from the reenacting days. And I remember seeing this thing for the first time and doing a double take because I was like, "Huh? This is the thing from it's like weird why is something from my reenacting childhood in the state archives?" And it's like, "Wait, no, this is the real battle flag that you know, people fought and died under, you know what I mean? But it's like, it looked exactly the same, you know what I mean? It's crazy. That is so oh, cool. Man. Oh, I'm still thinking about William Shatner, though. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, I mean, it's William Shatner. I get it. Ah, I get it. Um, okay, so my my last thoughts, my last memories that pop into my head is I, I remember, I mean, this kind of goes back to the Farb thing, but, you know, I remember when you had to convey you know like i'm going up to mom and it's you know my lips are chapped and i need some chapstick i'm not going to go up when the public's around and say uh hey can i get some chapstick <laughs> i no i no i i seriously i remember i remember <laughs> ladies in this group going oh dear do you have some of that dr chapstick i can get <laughs> and and, and it would be stuff like that you know <laughs> I, I, I'm coming up with like like a you know a name for like Doctor Pepper's oh Doctor Pepper's elixir of you know something you you'd come up with crazy things like that to to represent just modern day things that you need in the in in the moment kind of thing creative creative lying I like it exactly exactly it was all a bunch of creative theatrics um uh-huh. but I. Um, I remember somebody in our troop and I'm, I'll admit, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a big gun guy. Um, I'm, I'm, I don't want to take away anybody's guns. I'm, I'm all for gun control, but you know, just using all this stuff wisely. Um, but I remember somebody having a pistol called a Lamat. Oh yeah. Do you remember Mm -hmm. what the Lamat is? 
Yes, it was, I believe, a French-made revolver during the Civil War that mm-hmm. was used a lot amongst Southern cavalrymen that, if I'm not mistaken, it was a six-shot revolver, but it also had a second barrel that was basically like a shotgun. Right. Yes. Yeah. This thing is amazing when you look at it. And I and I want to say it was more than six. I want to think it, maybe it was a nine-shot, but I, I could be wrong maybe. on that. I, I, don't I, know, I don't know guns, though. That's the only problem. Yeah, and, and it's been a very long time since I've looked this up. But yes, here under the main barrel of the gun is a very short. It is not even the length of the pistol barrel. It is yeah. a final shot that is like a rifle caliber shot. And I just thought that was the most bonkers thing it's like i'm gonna go through these six shots and then um here's my last ditch effort i'm gonna let you know all hell fly with a rifle shot out of something the size of a pistol yeah it was definitely the kind of gun that maybe like a 13 year old would design in like science class like doodling on a piece of binder (laughs) paper yes but um yeah it was it was a real thing you know it was it was something used during the war you know but yeah Yeah. it was but i I remember one of the guys in the troop you know had one and i was just going man like yeah so crazy that just is so crazy yeah definitely um yeah i'm not a big gun guy but i mean i'm into like um i'm into like the older stuff you know sure um you know, uh, uh, muzzle loading stuff I think is pretty cool actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I heard a legend, I heard a rumor. I don't know if this is true. Maybe somebody can chime in. I heard that after nine 11, um, the federal government reclassified uh, black powder, not as a propellant, but as an explosive, which made it a lot more difficult to transport that stuff like on air flights or send it through the mail, that kind of thing. Uh, that would surprise and, me. And I don't know if this is true or not, but I heard that that played a big role in making Civil War reenacting much more difficult hobby. Hmm. Um, and I don't know if that's true. I, To be honest, I don't know the state of the hobby these days. If it's something that I know there are still Civil War reenactments. I, I would be surprised if there's as many people reenacting today in across America as there were in the early 90s when we did yeah, it. Yeah, I think there's definitely um, been a, a shrinkage. Yeah, in time you know um yeah um and i know that i kind of got out of it around 95 maybe sophomore year high school i think i was finding girls discovering girls you know what i mean and <laughs> you know kind of my interests went in a different direction yeah um, i i kind of got to about the the end of high school first year of college yeah and and interests were shifting at that point for me and and i i kind of walked away from it yeah, yeah. Well, you know, maybe someday when your kids in, are in school and they start doing American history or something, maybe we can track down a reenactment somewhere and oh, we'll I all think, go out. Yeah, I mean, I think that would be fun to go and see and, and see what they're doing, at, especially at that point when they're getting into that kind of thing. I'm all for it. Yeah, totally. Oh, <sighs> man. Wow. I know. Jeez. How, how, how time is fly. How time ha- I'm tired. It's 10 o'clock. <laughs> I'm like, how time has flied. <laughs> how time flies well um you know i i really uh i really appreciate folks that have listened to this episode i mean i think probably a lot of our viewers are uh maybe more in line with like things from the 1980s 1990s and not so much the 1860s but i hope it's been uh, interesting Uh, i definitely had a blast uh reliving some of these memories with you tonight man yeah this was great because this brought back some stuff that i haven't thought about in 20 years or more yeah right 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 yeah um, so that's that's been fantastic um and and i hope everybody's 
you know, enjoyed it, even if it's not necessarily something you can uh, click with. It was definitely uh, kind of fun. And if nothing else, take a look at the pictures that we put up on social media and laugh at us. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, what are we um, what are we talking about next month? All right. Well, next month, man, it's February. Mm-hmm. We are doing oh, part D, part D of our classic celebrity crushes. It's right. It's our second annual, first annual? It's the second time that we're going to do a Valentine's episode. It's going to be childhood and adolescent crushes on pop culture icons. Um, even though we rattled off probably a good two dozen last year uh, yeah. in our Valentine's Day episode, I'm sure we can... I know that there were definitely people that we kind of missed on our first go-around that, um, that, that I'm sure we can... Uh, um, include uh, next month. Yeah, um, we started to run long last year, and we're like, eh, you know, let's save these for next year. Right, exactly. Um, and so now we can finally get them off our Google Doc. <clears throat> I'm going to be interested to see uh, who ends up on your list this year. Um, well, you could scroll down the notes and find maybe the first five or six there. Um, yeah. But then we'll obviously have to come up with some more. Right, right. Um, but it seems like we had a lot of crushes. Yeah, well, yeah, definitely. (laughs) Well, between now and then, you can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at MemoryServesPod. You can follow me on Twitter at BlueBoxUFO, and you can follow Seb at ClanMcMuffin. You can subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher, wherever you consume podcasts. Just search If Memory Serves. We're also on Spotify, if you are a Spotify listener, um, along with all the other great shows on the Night of the Living Geeks Network. You can rate and review us as well. We always appreciate it. That helps get us some notice. You know what we would like even more than that? Retweet our stuff. Share Ooh. the stuff that we share on Facebook. That's going to get a out to your friends and to people who follow you and it's just going to get us uh, uh, noticed a little bit more and we appreciate it talk kindly of us Uh, also subscribe to us on soundcloud soundcloud.com slash the n-o-t-l-g go on over to n-o-t-l-g.spreadshirt.com and get yourself one of our if memory serves shirts seb it was so cool to see you at christmas time and you were rocking the shirt man it looked great Thank you, thank you. Definitely, definitely. Oh. 2019 is here. We have got some cool stuff coming. If you are a Patreon of ours, go over to patreon.com slash N-O-T-L-G. Sign up. Every little bit helps, and we greatly appreciate it. So check that out. Morgan Willis does our music. You can check him out on Facebook. Search up Morgan Willis. Name's all in caps. You can't miss it. Check him out on Twitter, Morgan Willis 82 and check him out as well on soundcloud that does it for us for this month welcome to 2019 everyone thanks for joining happy new us. year folks happy new year welcome to 1863 i mean 2019 <laughs> i mean what time is it <laughs> uh good night folks good night <laughs> I got to use the bathroom or as I used to tell me about it as I used to say I have to go see the elephant (laughs) well now I don't know whether to make that or the (laughs) ATF thing our outro damn it oh right
Hmm, so many mm. options. So many oh, options. Right, I know. 